Welcome back, listeners, to your next episode of Hindsight is Horrifying. This is your beloved hostess with the mostest, Darth Jader. And today we have a bit of a special episode for you, listeners, so thanks for tuning in. We will be looking at uh, the 1997 Disney's Hercules, one of the lauded fan favorites that I'm sure most of you are familiar with. And today, as a fun twist... Jason will actually be our producer behind the scenes, so you won't... <laughs> that was him wooing, in case you couldn't pick up on it. But he will not be joining us in the same sense that he normally does, unless he keeps wooing from his computer set. Today with me instead, I have co-hostess Meg, who shares the same name as the leading lady from this movie, which is very exciting. So why don't you say hi to our listeners, Meg? Hey, how's it going? Woo, she's good. She's here. <sighs> so excited. Awesome. And for those of you who don't know, Meg and I have been best friends for about 15 years, so we're very excited to have her on the podcast as our very first guest. So we're trying to change things up for you guys because we know you're sick of listening to us. So let's dive right into 1997's Hercules. The synopsis is that Disney tackles Greek mythology in this animated feature. Hercules, also known as Tate Donovan, a son of the gods, was snatched as a baby by Hades. Uh, James Woods, and forced to live among mortals as a half-man, half-god. Now a teenager, Hercules needs to perform a rite of passage on Earth to prove himself worthy of living with the gods on Mount Olympus. With his plucky satyr sidekick, how do you say that, Meg? How do you say Phil? Philoctes? sure. Philoctes, I think it was. Uh, Let's just call him Phil, because even he tells us to call him Phil, also known as Danny DeVito. (laughs) Uh, So with him along for the ride, along with Pegasus... Hercules must learn how to use his strength to defeat a series of evil creatures. So, Meg, why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about this, because this was actually your pick to view and to review and find the adult humor and all the jokes we might have missed as a kid. So why is this movie your favorite? Uh, Well, for one, Megara, duh. (laughs) Same name, sure. Friends call her Meg. At least they would have had any friends. Oh, such a loner. Although some of my friends do call me Megara, um, which... It's true, I listeners. Like it. I've actually been there for it. I've heard it happen. <laughs> true story. Uh, yeah, this was always my favorite Disney movie when I was a kid, mostly because I was just obsessed with Greek mythology. So I guess I understood some of the jokes a lot better than some of the other kids did. Yeah, because there are a lot of nods to specific Greek gods and goddesses in this, which as a little kid, unless you're just a, a Greek buff, you're not really going to get. So uh, one of the jokes that we actually see right out of the starting gate is with the very unique... Uh, trope that they have going on with the gospel singer ladies who are sort of telling Hercules' story in between the scenes that we see of his life. So Yeah, they're the, they're the muses. Yes, the muses, but I call them gospel singers because they do say they're describing Hercules' life in the very beginning of the movie because you have this guy saying, long ago on Mount Olympus, and then they sort of break through and are like, oh, hush, that's not exciting. And so they start, you know, interpreting in their own way. But they keep saying that everything they're telling us as the viewer is the gospel truth, which is kind of funny considering this isn't a Christian story. So, yeah, but it makes for a catchy tune. So I'm going to go with it. (laughs) Hey, you know, that's Disney's tackle on it, I suppose. But uh, yeah, so it doesn't take long to get right to the main story. The muses do sort of introduce Hercules in a very festive and fun way. And then we find ourselves on Mount Olympus where the jokes just start rolling nonstop. Yeah. I always thought it was uh, 
pretty funny though they you know portrayed Hera as such a sweet loving mother and she's not even really Hercules's mom and she's kind of a bitch and wants to kill him but no no he's cool yeah well this is the Disney version so we can we can definitely kill people like Mufasa in Disney movies but you know other everything that other than that has to be roses and sunshine I suppose oh and here's my favorite little character Hermes yeah and he's he's got a pretty killer joke coming up right now I think it is yeah, he has given a bouquet of flare, fl- ah, flowers to flowers. Hera. <laughs> he gives a bouquet to uh, Hera saying, you know, it's it's so goofy. Uh, Orpheus did the arrangement, which if anybody knows their Greek mythology. <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> or Orpheus wasn't in much of a position to be arranging anything. Yeah, he uh, was dismembered by uh, Maynard. So he's pretty much just a head who apparently was able to do the arrangement. And then he follows that right up with... Uh, you know, almost obsessed with himself since Narcissus oh, yeah, discovered himself because he's a narcissist. Yeah, because they're having the, uh, the, it's kind of a baby shower for the gods, I guess, where Hermes says, yeah, there hasn't been this much love in a room since oh, Narcissus yeah. <laughs> discovered himself, which passed right over my head as a kid because it's not just him, you know, discovering his reflection. There's definitely a little bit more of an implication with that joke. So right. it definitely <laughs> floats over the head of the average you and I, because we were born in the same year, listeners, uh, Meg and I, we were born in 88, so we would have been about 9 or 10 when this movie came out. So, yeah, yeah that, that definitely would, it. <laughs> it would have floated right over my head, some of this material. Oh, and they make, look at Zeus, he's being such a good dad, cradling his son's head, even though he's a big old man whore, taking on all sorts of forms, getting with ladies. Yeah, they definitely... They definitely Disneyed it up because you can't really go full on Greek mythology if you're really oh, no. talking to kids. <laughs> uh, oh, and Hades has the best dad jokes. And speaking of uh, Hades and Zeus, this this movie, and it's something that Jason and I have discussed, especially in the late 90s before animated films really took off to the level where they are today, where you get your Justin Timberlakes, your every kind of talent from every which way. This was a surprisingly star-studded movie considering it was made in 1997 because you have uh, James Woods as Hades and Rip Torn of all people as <laughs> Zeus. I've always liked his name. It's like, Rip Torn. It's such a stage name. It's, well, it's just like putting a hat on a hat because Rip and Tearing <laughs> Torn. Do you guys have the phrase hat on a hat for all of our Rick and Morty listeners? But <laughs> Um, yeah, and Rip Torn, I was watching this movie to reacclimate myself to it because... Kind of like with Ants, I I remember this movie as being somewhat boring because there was almost a little too much talking in it to my taste when I was nine years old. But watching it as an adult, it's like a completely different movie. You that, get all yeah. the joke, like, and I was even looking at my boyfriend, like, oh, we've got to pause this movie, which annoys the hell out of him. But I I kept having to pause just so I could catch and write down most of the jokes because there's so many of them. I mean, they did have a lot of you know the children's slapstick humor to fill up the time but i feel like this was also a great parent movie to watch because there's just you know a lot of puns a lot of greek mythology that the older people would be able to understand and oh yeah even when hades walks into the baby shower for hercules he's like so what is this an audience or a mosaic and that's just that's such that's such an adult joke i mean only (laughs) adults are even gonna get it let alone appreciate it or he hasn't been so choked up since he got a hunk of moussaka stuck in his throat (laughs) yeah which that one comes later and then uh something about if there's one god you don't want to get steamed up it's hades with you know the hair of fire so there you go i get it 
Oh, and here we have our first entrance of uh, pain is this and pain, panic. pain and panic. Uh, which one is pain and which one is panic? Bobcat, well, the Goldthwait. one, <laughs> the one that's obviously in pain is pain, and the one that's panicking there. You know what? That just makes sense, and something I didn't even pick up on as an adult. That <laughs> well, because I had them kind of backwards. I was like, oh, okay, they're just kind of like Flotsam and Jetsam in The Little Mermaid. They're just a pair of similar goofy little creatures. So. Uh, yeah, pain makes sense, and now it makes even more sense that Bobcat Goldthwait is his voice, so, because <laughs> he's got such distinguished, such a distinguished voice. But yeah, they're sort of schmoozing to Hades, who, apparently with Hercules being born, it throws a wrench in his grand plans to overthrow the universe. Yes, he's about to, uh, come up on a meeting with the fates, who all share one eyeball that has a hair yeah, it's it's nasty. very uh, double Five double. Roll. Yeah, that's which is nasty, and it's got the nice double double toil and trouble kind of vibe to them. They're all creepy and terrible, but even the fates crack a nice little joke that I didn't really understand as a kid. They were like indoor plumbing. Oh yeah, it's, it's gonna, gonna be, be big. big. <laughs> so yeah, they're they're basically telling Hades that Hercules is gonna destroy his grand plans for destruction, and. I, maybe this was one of the reasons I didn't appreciate it as a kid, because like you said, they're swapping out the eyeball amongst themselves, and that wasn't my favorite thing to watch when I was <laughs> little. I was just like, ew, why? Why? They're all sisters, man. They just—they're all girls. They all can share, share, share alike. <laughs> That's cool. Oh, and even Hades, because uh, he gets all steamed up right here. Not to make that joke again, but he goes, "Oh no, never mind. I'm cool." Just these <laughs> dad jokes abound in this movie, especially with That's Hades. Fantastic. And um, oh, here's I the should... kid humor, a little, little spider coming out of the nostril hole and sniffing it back up. Yeah, which is just grotesque and lovely. <laughs> I always just thought it was a pretty movie, like all the nice little colors. Oh as yeah, a kid. it was an incredibly vibrant movie, especially with how they introduced the 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 muses singing with all the mosaic and tile in the back of them. The colors are just it. it there's a lot of juxtaposition because when you're in Hades with Hades. Uh, it's all dark and gray and dull undertones, but then the gods on Mount Olympus are all very bright and they're all surrounded by their own kind of light. So there's, there's a very obvious juxtaposition there, but, um, so yeah, we're with Hades while he's plotting his revenge on Zeus. Cause what, what is it that Zeus did? I can't quite remember. What did he do to make Hades so angry? He basically gave him his crap job in the underworld. Mm. You know, Zeus is like, you know, what? I'm going to rule over the earth and Mount Olympus. Poseidon, you're my other bro. I like you. I'm going to let you rule over the sea. But Hades, mm, fuck you. You get the <laughs> you get the underworld <laughs> and the dead. I'm, I'm going to keep you down there. You're not allowed to surface or whatever. That is a bummer for Hades. Yeah. So he got the short end of the straw. Yeah, it sounds like it. And yeah, he's seeing in his grand future that there's going to be this hero on a Pegasus that could be none other than Hercules to come and destroy everything that he's trying to ruin himself so and it really was just kind of ballsy of disney to try and tackle greek anything because they're just it's all about sex and violence and yeah they really debauchery they really had to put some rose-colored glasses on greek mythology in yeah. order to I make mean, it acceptable hercules himself was a giant douche <laughs> See, I don't, he was the worst kind of demigod. And so you'd have to look into that to know it, because I, when you hear about Hercules, you mostly hear about him in the hero sense, kind of like with this Disney movie. Oh, yeah, so. he had all sorts of feats, but I'm, I'm pretty sure he killed his wife. And Oh, like you do. Yeah, you yeah. know. Gotta stop that back talk early. <laughs> uh, I, I, I guess so. But now we have uh, Pain and... 
panic. Panic, right? Yeah, pain and panic. Um, they're coming to kidnap Hercules and... Because uh, the whole plot of getting Hercules bumped off the schedule is to make him mortal so that he can be killed. Because that's the grand right. scheme. Because you can't kill a god. Right. And naturally, we have that lovely trope in every villain Bond thing where they send their bumbling sidekick people to come and commit a really heinous crime that requires some forethought and careful planning. Yeah, it works every time, duh. Oh, yeah. On paper, not, it works not every time. Not once has this ever failed. Never. Not not once, not never. But, yeah, they, they're already screwing it up. They basically panic when they hear Zeus coming to check on the baby. And I'm getting a very Emperor's New Groove vibe from this purple potion that they're giving to Hercules to make him oh, mortal. Oh, yeah. It the, looks the like the extract of llama. Yeah. <laughs> And of course, you know, they get interrupted. They bumble it up because he had to drink every last drop of that potion and uh, there was one little drop left. So, so it didn't work. retain his godlike strength. So he's, he's, I guess, what percentage would you say a drop is in the human body? 0.1? Apparently it's point, a lot cause yeah, because he's got the strength of a god. Yeah, he's kind of ridiculously strong despite the fact that they turned him into 99.9999999% mortal minus that one little drop of potion. And then this this was an actual part of Greek mythology, them turning, uh, sending snakes on to try and kill Hercules, and then he... Oh, okay, because yeah. panic and pain turn into snakes, and they're about to strike the uh, Hercules' adopted parents who find him out in the wilderness, but then Hercules just sort of grabs them by the neck and blows them up like balloons yeah. and throws them away. Disney actually did a pretty good job of putting in some of Hercules' uh, exploits in the movie like when they go through that little movie montage which will come up on later but yeah where he's starting to face all the different creatures while he gains his street cred right got it that makes sense but meanwhile you've got sad zeus and hera and all the gods are out looking for hercules but then we come back to the muses who break it down for us and say oh now hercules is mortal so his parents up in mount olympus had to watch from afar while another couple raised their baby yeah. and the muses sing everything because it's disney and uh, i think hercules had one of my favorite soundtracks i have like all of these songs memorized down well it's so lively i mean and there's only one sad song i don't even there's not it's a, this one yeah there's the one uh yeah the sad song about hercules being raised by other people and then you have kind of the hero's ballad where Hercules is singing about going the distance. But other than that, it's a very lively, bouncy soundtrack. Oh, yeah, for sure. You don't even have... Hades doesn't even have a song. I totally had it on CD as a kid. Uh, I did, too. It was, uh, I think I had the villain tracks that you got from McDonald's. Oh, yeah, I just had, like, full-on the entire soundtrack to Hercules because it was my favorite. <laughs> nice. But yeah, like we do, it is a pretty star-studded cast. We've got Tate Donovan, who was on the OC, and I believe, uh, yes, he was Rachel's boyfriend. What? Uh, oh, we're not allowed to call Orange County the OC. Jason's yelling at me from the studio. But apparently, what do you have against that? It's from Arrested Development. Oh, I've only seen like three or four seasons, and I know yeah. I'm, I'm a martyr for that. <laughs> or from Archer, uh, New York City. You can just call it New York. <laughs> but anyway. Before we get too off track. It was good, though. I liked it. I just didn't finish it. But yeah, you got Tate Donovan, who was also one of Rachel's boyfriends on Friends. Um, and Newman from Seinfeld yeah. is about to make an appearance. Small little small little appearance. He's got to protect his pots because everyone knows what a... Bull in a china shop. Of, yeah, he's <laughs> just a ball of destruction because he doesn't know... Hercules doesn't know how to uh, contain his strength and his... 
adolescence here. Nobody wants to play with him, which is really sad. Yeah, one of the kids actually comes up with a pretty terrible joke. They're like, we should just call him Jerkulies. (laughs) And he also says, oh, sorry, guys. Uh, We we already have... uh, uh, five players and he holds up four fingers and we gotta keep it even we can't <laughs> it's gotta be an even number at wait, wait five but i mean newman's strength right here as the potter guy is pretty impressive he's picking up a pot that's 40 times his size but okay and this is something i noticed and i know it's an animation thing uh hercules has some damn big feet and to quote fresh ben- prince of bel-air you know what they say when a fella got some big feet damn, damn he, he got, got some, some big feet, feet. <laughs> so there is that but um he's also rocking that little cleft chin there yeah it's very heroic clark kent yeah the superman uh it's not quite a butt chin it's just cleft it's not but it's It's like horizontally almost yeah it's kind of (laughs) weird that is strange he's very angular but very muscular at the same time they kind of almost have drawn all these characters in an almost greek fashion because they have a lot of the I don't know. I just feel like they've in the drawing of the characters, they've almost put Greek architecture in their faces. I can actually see that, especially since his ears are almost like pottery. Yeah. They're, yeah. Okay. They've got the swirls to them where, yeah, it looks like a clay pot. That I didn't even pay attention to that. But there's also that pattern of animation that Disney has, because if I had to say Hercules looked like any other Disney prince, I would say he looks like a mixture between Tarzan and Prince Adam. And Tarzan wasn't around. This movie precedes Tarzan, but I still see that kind of a blend, especially with the color of his hair. He looks like Prince Adam from Beauty and the Beast, which is a decent crossover because I was I started hearing like really similar notes in the um, composing when I was watching this movie. And Alan Menken, who did the composing for Beauty and the Beast, also composed yeah. uh, the music to Hercules. So it's got that kind of same uplifting composing feel in the background whenever yeah. something good happens but oh we see newman's pots have all been destroyed because hercules destroyed a town in about 30 seconds because <laughs> he's just too strong for his own good oh, but i always like how disney is like it's okay if you're different and everyone hates you because you're going to come out on top and everyone's going to love you in the yep. end it's good good story it is and of course we have our damn near obligatory adoption story where it's like where do i come from I just have well, to find out where I belong. Your daddy flew down from Mount Olympus, and he kind of raped a woman a little bit. Oh, so he pulled a Kevin Spacey. Got it. Yeah. Well, you know, Zeus was always about changing into showers or bowls or anything and just getting on with random ladies. <laughs> hey, I mean, when you're an immortal god, I guess you run out of entertainment after a while, so you got to find a way to keep yourself amused. Yeah, Hera just was turned into an old bitty. Oh, goodness. Poor cast-off Hera. But yeah, and it, we have a slow moment here where Hercules is just sort of looking up at the sky and wondering where he really belongs. And it's a whole identity crisis that he's having because he's rejected by all of the completely mortal people who he lives around. So he's having a bit of a crisis there. Then oh, he just chucks the stone across the entire ocean. I've never been able to skip rocks like that. <laughs> Well, you know, you must have drank the whole potion when you were born, so that's why you don't have that super immortal strength. But yeah, here comes our big ballad. Uh, What's the name of the song? I know you know it. Oh, it's, uh, he's trying to uh, go right where I will go the distance. Yeah, I will go the distance. Uh, Yeah, okay. I can sing the lyrics. I don't know what the freaking name of the song is. Okay, but yeah, it's just that I'll go the distance to find out where I belong. He's literally just doing a ballad about how lost he is as a 
sad little orphan boy. But he's not even an orphan. He's got two sets of parents, honestly. Well, mother is questionable, but... Yeah, well... Okay, in the Disney version, he's got two sets of parents. Fair enough. There you go. But uh, he does eventually... It's funny because he has almost a Mufasa Simba-like relationship with his father, Zeus. Because he goes to the, the temple where there's a statue of Zeus. And almost like how Mufasa appears oh, in, the in the clouds to yeah. Simba where he's like, go back where you belong, Simba. Well, Zeus is a little bit funnier, but he's basically telling Hercules, okay, now you're finally old enough to know the truth. Yeah. And he's like, why are you choosing now to tell me this? He says, well, you're 18, you're a man or something to the equivalent and pretty much tells him, yeah, you're pretty much a god, but you have to do something really, really impressive if you want to live with us up on Olympus, Okay. Yeah. That, speaking of uh, Disney's The Lion King, that reminds me of, you know, how Disney likes to hide little dirty things in all their movies. Like, I think in The Lion King, the the dust rises up and it spells sex. I've found yeah. it like a bazillion times. And I don't pr- think there's anything like that in Hercules. Uh, I've never I think sp- they left that one alone. I think they started to realize that we were catching on to it, especially the, uh, the priest with his very visible excitement in The Little Mermaid and... Just, oh yeah, and oh, and uh, Aladdin. Aladdin. I've I've heard it. <laughs> Good little girls take off their clothes, or whatever it is. Yeah, no, it's... that's what the tiger says. <laughs> so gross. the tiger. I thought Aladdin said. Oh no, it's the tiger. Like Aladdin comes down onto her balcony, and the tiger goes up. Raja goes up to him, and like in between the growling, you hear the tiger say that. Oh, that's <laughs> disturbing. It's so creepy. That's disturbing in like eight different ways. Well, these but... Disney people are working on these movies for so long; they're probably bored out of their minds. I don't know, this, like, goody-two-shoe stuff. Well, they couldn't be bored with the detail on the animation for Hercules because of all the tile and... Oh, I know. It's, like, mosaic, painstakingly, individually placed in there. Well, then maybe there's something spelled in the mosaics that we just haven't noticed yet. Maybe we'll figure it out in another 20 years. But is this is that the Parthenon that he goes into the temple that with the statue Uh, of Zeus? No. What? I guess that's the just a temple. Yeah, it's just like a temple to Zeus. I was about to say they all have a similar look to them though, with the pillars on the outside, and they're all very long and marble. Pretty much every god had its own temple somewhere. Or multiple ones, honestly. See, Greek people must be confused when they come to America because we pretty much have a temple to Abraham Lincoln. So, And he's in a similar throne, um. just like Zeus. So there's that. But, oh, I love this part because, yeah, Hercules is interacting with the huge stone statue of his actual father, Zeus, and <laughs> running away. And Zeus is basically catching him like you pick up a mouse in your hand and it's yeah. running across your hand and he's hercules is trying to scramble away because holy shit this statue just came to life I mean, he's made out of solid freaking stone and hercules is just poking his head through and getting his chin fucking flicked with his dad's giant stone thumb there yeah it's like that would you think that would bruise him but i guess with super strength comes super resilience i suppose because he the way he gets knocked around in this movie it's pretty impressive that he survives it but uh, one of the great moments is when Zeus is talking to him when he comes to life as a statue. And he's like, what? You didn't know you had a famous father? <laughs> and it's like, I obviously didn't know that, dude. I've been, I was basically orphaned to another pair of people. So how in the world would he know that? I do love how he just so readily accepts the fact that a giant statue of Zeus is talking to him and tells him that he's his father. He's like, oh, well, must be. Yeah, I'd be concerned that somebody had slipped something in my drink or I was just hallucinating. I'm pretty sure all the Greeks back then were doing some sort of hallucinogenic or drinking all the time. So this is probably, you know, 
oh, okay, another trip, let's do this. Gotcha. That would make a lot of sense, but once again, Disney, so you can't exactly introduce that concept. Oh, oh and this is a great moment because Hercules gets reunited with Pegasus, who is also fully grown. Favorite Disney horse. They always like to make the Disney horses very like, dog-like. Animated and <laughs> yeah. funny, except this one's more a bird. He's, well, and they have a great joke about that because uh, uh, Pegasus... With the brains of a bird. <laughs> yeah, which I guess is his way of calling him. Well, he's just lollying his tongue around, too, like, ah. yeah. <laughs> so He's like a dog bird. Like, it's just, it's kind of ridiculous. But yeah, he's got those big, luxurious wings going on. And, and Hercules is now on a path because what Zeus tells him is that you can be reunited with us on Mount Olympus, but you have to become a, quote, true hero. Yeah, so, so he's got to go through a training montage. Like, uh, like Rocky. Like Rocky. <laughs> he's got or his if Rocky you, if montage. If you watched, uh, what was it, uh, Team America? Yeah, got Team to America. Be a movie montage. <laughs> Just remember the secret signal if you get jammed up. But, yeah, so now Hercules is off to find a champion to train him to become a true hero. Yes, the satyr, Phil, which, for those of you who don't know what a satyr is, half goat, half man. He's Mr. Tumnus is pretty much what it yes, is. Yes, they um, were uh, creatures of the god Dionysus, who was basically the uh, drunk god. I like him. <laughs> was definitely getting it on with animals in the woods, so if you have any questions as to why they're half goats, half men, mm. that should answer it for you. <laughs> but... Yeah, so Pegasus and Hercules go off to find Phil, who is the amazing Danny DeVito, who you have to... He's nat- so perfect for this. Oh, yeah, it's this short, hairy little creature that's like, I don't want to talk to anybody, leave me alone. So it's kind of perfect that Danny DeVito played him, for sure. Yeah, I mean, that's just him. Yep. And they and it's funny, because he stumbles upon Phil accidentally, because he Hercules looks through these bushes and sees these beautiful nymphs, uh, hanging out, and, and then he Phil's thinks there's doing something suspicious halfway in the bush. Yeah, he's <laughs> hidden in the bush, and Hercules mistakes him for a goat, and he's like, "Oh, little guy, I'll help you." And then Danny DeVito bitch slaps him and starts running after the nymphs. He's trying to like grab on him. Oh yeah, his nymphs apparently can't keep their hands off him. Yeah, he was he's pretty saucy with those nymphs, but kind of dirty. <laughs> yeah, he's just chasing after the ladies. I guess, you know, all that solitary confinement out in the woods. It's got to get to a man after a while. But then you start getting into... Because Phil is that classic archetype where, oh, I'm off to find this champion to train me, and then he's this unimpressive little goat Maybe man. He was Rocky's trainer, basically. More or less. <laughs> yeah, I feel it's like almost this the is, exact same yeah, thing. Yeah, this is kind of like almost alluding to Rocky in a little bit. Precisely. And he's like, I don't want to train you. All right, I'll train you. But then, you know, Phil builds up his cred because he's like, who do you think taught Jason how to sail? Cleopatra? Uh, he's like, I've, I trained Odysseus. I trained this guy. A lot of usses. A lot of yeses. A lot of usses, <laughs> yeah. And uh, what did he say about... Oh, he he thought he had the ultimate champion in Achilles, but then that damn ankle of his. Because <laughs> Achilles got Achilles, in case you're not familiar with the story. He but... was a real heel of a guy. Ah! <laughs> it's okay to tune out. We're sorry. We're, yeah, I'm sorry. we're saying stuff like that. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, he almost, uh, Phil almost has this kind of Danny Glover mentality from Lethal Weapon where he's like, I am too old to get mixed up in this stuff again. And all I could hear was Danny Glover saying, I'm too old for this shit. Like, it's just the same <laughs> deal. So, you know, you have Hercules trying to count Phil into, or talk him into being his trainer. And Phil is just super bitter, bitter about Achilles. He brings up Achilles more than once in this movie. And even later, when Hercules is trying to make a name for himself amongst the Thebians, they're like, oh, 
is this another Achilles? Like, oh, this is stupid. You're not a hero. I always thought Achilles got a the raw end, <laughs> kind of, because he, you know, his freaking mom. She gave him a shitty him in bath, the bath. So. <laughs> yeah, just by the ankle. God forbid she submerged the child multiple times or anything. No. Well, back then, I guess you just had to dunk the kid and run away from whoever was trying to kill you, because oh, apparently yeah. it was pretty rampant back then. But what exactly gets Phil to change his mind? I'm trying to remember. Oh, so he says that he's not going to do it, and then uh, Zeus basically strikes him down. From oh, the yeah, he barbecues lightning. him with a bolt of lightning. That's right. So, yeah, basically uh, threatened him. And then, of course, you see Hercules picking up. Uh, this looks like an alien spaceship. That it reminds just... me of the spaceships from uh, Men, Men in Black. Black. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what it looks like. Uh, yeah, listeners, we've known each other way too long. We pretty much share a brain, but... Yeah, Hercules throws one of those men in, de- uh, men in black saucers across another ocean. I, I would like to think that that pebble that he threw across the ocean and then the men in black saucer is they're hitting somebody across the continent or- once they find their mark. <laughs> he just destroys entire cities. Yeah. And it's just like, how did this natural disaster happen? Oh, somebody threw a pebble. Yeah, see right here, he's like, Disney's alluding to the fact that Zeus is a crappy dude because... Phil's just like, oh, I could just see it now. Reading to Hercules once upon a time. Oh, the, the, he wasn't really a present father and all that stuff. But I uh, like these ruins and these statues that they've done. That's where the animation... Yeah, you see the the head of the Gorgon right there um, yep. from the Jason and the Argonauts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this, that was yep, almost a go. Fantasia <laughs> kind of moment right there where Phil jumps up on a half of a pillar and oh, twirls get around. Started on Fantasia. Oh, Fantasia! They a trip. had to remake that stuff because it was so racist. It was. It was kind of a mess. But uh, yeah, so then Phil does get struck by lightning because he's refusing to help Hercules. So and here comes the uh, working out montage to get better. Oh yeah, you gotta get have stronger, that. faster, <laughs> better, stronger. He has the technology. He will rebuild him. But yeah, Phil's got like this chest of swords and. A bunch of random pottery, it looks like. I don't know how that's going to help him. During that song, when the tree falls on Phil and he gets the olives on his horns, he says, I get the green horn right at that time. Oh, my God. (laughs) I just got to point out all these fantastic little puns. Oh, yeah. And they build, like, an entire arena for for Hercules to train in. Phil is almost like pain in this movie because he keeps getting flung into stuff and his little horns keep getting jammed into like target boards and stuff while Hercules is learning how to be an archer. I like how they add a little nod to Karate Kid during the training scene. They're doing the little crane kick. (laughs) They do that twice, actually. But yeah, so we basically just get this really intense montage where Hercules is training and you see that he's obviously improving. He's very, you know kind of lackadaisical and clumsy in the beginning but then he starts honing his skills and getting better and so phil actually decides that his first test is going to be to take him to thebes so it's just a mess of a place yeah and isn't thebes in egypt no where is thebes it's also in in greece Greece. okay for some reason i'm thinking maybe it's the mummy that has me confused because i thought thebes was a city in egypt maybe it might be i don't know but so apparently Thebes is where they you have to go to make your name for stuff. And there's all of these allusions to it being like the New York City because they call it the They're Big Gotham. Olive. Oh, Big Olive. He I calls it the Big Olive. That. And he's like, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. So it's it's a whole thing. 
yeah, like that montage so. was pretty intense because Hercules can fight off sharks and bend swords in it, half it, and stuff now. So it's clearly gone through quite a few years because he's gone from this scrawny little thing to this big buff Adonis. Yeah, he's clearly aged a few years, and now he can bench press his own Pegasus, which is very, very impressive. But I thought the flying saucer was more impressive than that. But yeah, so he the whole thing about going to Thebes is that I guess everybody's just so. They have so many natural disasters and monsters that just are people, always coming to Thebes that it, it just always needs rescuing. Oh, okay. And the people are just so jaded by their circumstances that they don't even believe that Hercules has what it takes to help them. Oh, so, but before they even get there, they hear the classic damsel in distress scream. The plaintive cries of a lady in need. And uh, this- Enter me. <laughs> Megara. But, yeah, you see Megara actually being attacked by the river um, uh, centaur. And I was really excited because I noticed that this was Jim Cummings, a.k.a. Winnie the Pooh. Oh, you know what? I hear it now. Like that Tigger voice. Yeah. (laughs) Well, he has the Tigger because he's got um, almost that Aladdin guard voice where it's like, there he is. Let's get him. I hear it when he says, ooh, I like him. Yeah, uh, but then he plays one of the Thebian people later, and you hear more of the, ooh, the kind of Tigger sort of lilt that he's got. And mm-hmm. It's hard for me to impersonate Tigger, but he's three different people in this movie. Yeah. Because Jim Cummings is in literally everything. See, I always liked Meg, because she was like, I'm a damsel, I'm in distress, I can handle it. You're dismissed, I don't need you, <laughs> Not Go that away. typical Disney princess, you know, I'm asleep, wake me up, or don't wake me up, though. I, I mean, if I was a princess and I was asleep. Freaking leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, I want to sleep. I value my beauty rest. But that's I think that's one of the first times that Disney took a turn toward, you know, who run the world, girls. Because it was always the princess being woken up or saved from whatever circumstances she was in. Even Shrek made fun of that because uh, you have the princess arguing that Shrek is supposed to kiss her and wake right. her up. And he's like, no, I don't want to do that. But with Hercules, I liked how they did this because he's a very pure hero he's got no ill intent in saving her and he's not trying to insult her by saving her either but she's like get out of here wonder boy you've got no place here well he's clearly you know trained by this misogynist little satyr who's like you know women are weak and frail you got to go save them and save everybody else and she's just kind of like okay whatever do your thing (laughs) yeah i suppose it's the assumption in and of itself but it's funny how Hercules' strength to me seems like it plays in and out at certain times because he can throw a saucer the size of a mountain, but then he can't hurt the centaur. Yeah, but the saucer isn't moving. <laughs> I guess that's true. He's and The saucer's immobile and it's not fighting back. Oh, but yes, yeah, so Phil just had a wonderfully... Uh, uh, just Cadley goes moment. on and <laughs> sits on her lap and puggers his lips, expecting Meg to be all swooning over a half-goat balding... Danny DeVito. Basically trying to reap the rewards of Hercules' effort. Yeah. <laughs> Steal the woman that Hercules saved. So, But of course, Hercules prevails, saves the girl, and she uh, doesn't really thank him that much. <laughs> no, she repays him by telling him, I had this, but thanks. But as we later find out, she was actually trying to get the River Guardian on Hades' side, and that was her whole mission being over there. Yeah, she's actually under his employer servitude, however you want to look at it. And it was funny because you find out that Meg made a deal to save a different boyfriend in a different time. 
but uh, who just goes and dumps her, and then she's basically screwed with an eternal damnation with Hades. Yeah, it's for trying to save dark. his life. Yeah, it it is the contents actually, you know, not exactly what you would expect for kids, but Hades does have a great little moment where he's talking to Meg or. Oh, he calls her, hey, my little nutmeg, which is an ongoing <laughs> kind of dad, dad joke. dad used to call me nutmeg. Oh, see? That's exactly a dad joke then. It translates. But uh, Meg says, he made me an offer I had to refuse, which is a nod to the Godfather. Oh, yeah. Which I definitely didn't get as a kid. So it's just, the jokes just kept on coming with this movie, which surprises me because it is all, it's all heroic saves and Tate Donovan running around and rescuing people and proving what a hero he is, so... I mean, Hercules is pretty buff. I'd let him save me. <laughs> even with that skirt? thats I don't think I've even worn a skirt that short as Hercules. It's pretty scandalous. The clothes just get in the way. Oh, is that what it is? Duh. Oh, okay. So you see, if you had to remake Hercules, I get the feeling it would be more Greek mythology based than Disney based. It would be like the TV show Hercules where he's got that buff bod and his shirt's usually always off. Them tight leather pants. So more of the Hercules and Xena kind of a Hercules looking guy? Or... Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> because, you know, I think it was an article I read or something that was one of the multitudes of memes or something that was online where it compared Disney princes to what they would actually look like. Oh, the realistic in their actual, drawings? Yeah, the realistic drawings of what their proportions would literally translate to. And they look like Dr. Zhivago level, like, <laughs> laboratory rats that were just melted by radioaction. And it's just, Dr. it's... Dr. Zhivago? I don't... I think I'm mixing up my doctors. <laughs> Dr. Caligari. Okay. Or yeah. Clive Barker. Or a ma- many of the people who dealt with body deformation. I don't know. Cronenbergs, if you will. <laughs> they. There you go. So fallout shelter radiation Cronenbergs. Let's just go with that. But oh, and I can't. There, uh, Meg is meeting Hades right now, and she runs across Pain and Panic, pretending to be a rabbit and chipmunk. And I, and uh, she, well, I can't remember the what she says, but she's like saying that Pain, who's the chipmunks, is his little rodent. And he goes, "Oh no, I'm his gopher." <laughs> oh goodness, I see. That's one of the many jokes I miss because they just they come a mile a minute in this and. Just Hades and Meg's interaction are pretty great. It's so sassy. I love it. Yeah, because she's just, she's very catty herself, but he is just, I, I, I've actually seen tweets where people are like, oh, Hades had to be gay because he is the fiercest queen I've ever seen in my life, where she's saying something later in the movie where, oh, no, Hercules is different. He's kind and sweet. And Hades is like, um, he's a guy. So yeah. it's just. He's so super sassy. But in Greek mythology, he was happily married. Oh. To, to Persephone and her little poem That's there. right. I did remember that. I don't know a lot about Greek mythology, but some of the stuff you're saying, I'm like, oh, yeah, that was in a textbook in high school that yeah. I read. But, yeah, so Hades decides to pit Meg uh, in his race to destroy Hercules now because what I don't really know what she was trying to accomplish before I think she was just his servant so, in general. Well, right. So she's been trying to gain pawns on Hades' chessboard, so to speak, so that he has an army enough to take out Zeus. Because this whole time, he thinks Hercules is dead. And just now, he found out that Pain and Panic did not complete their mission and that Hercules is actually alive. Uh-huh. And uh, he's going to continue to throw a wrench into Hades' plans. Gotcha. And one of the things I... The only clever thing, really, that I really appreciated from Pain and Panic was the if. Because when... You mean if he finds out. (laughs) Yeah, that's the whole deal, is that 
Panic is panicking, naturally, because they didn't kill Hercules. He goes, Hades is going to flip out when he finds out. And Pan, or Pain is like, you mean if he finds out? If. And, I like if. <laughs> and that comes out... That comes out in another point later in the movie. I can't remember quite when, but... Oh, it's uh, when Hades is trying to get out of the river sticks, basically. You mean, if he gets out. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. Because Hades is a trickster. But we're, we're now in the area where... Uh, and this is almost... I think a lot of inspiration came to Emperor's New Groove from this movie as well. Because when we're looking at the Agora and the marketplace and the city of Thebes, it it's very reminiscent of the Emperor's New Groove. Which, yeah. once again, this predated that movie, but it's... Here's another little dirty joke you have there traveling around through Thebes <laughs> and you see this guy lurking around a corner with this cape this on cape. and he just turns around and he opens up his cape like he's a flasher, but he's actually selling sundials. Yeah. Selling <laughs> fake counterfeit watches. It's just a very sketchy city where, and that's where it also feeds back to the whole New York thing because you've got to have a certain awareness about you in a city that's busy where it's like, okay, don't get shysted, don't get anything like that and you see a, a little statue of atlas holding the world up nice which i think there's actually a statue of that in new york i'm pretty sure i might be wrong i've not been but there very well may be but i've only been like twice this is where jim Cummings shows up again i think he's that he's two of the guys in the group who are like oh you're not a hero like you can't possibly fill those kind of shoes but yeah there's they're just talking about all the natural disasters that they've been through. They've got a fire, a cricket, and all we need now is a plague of locusts. And you see a little cricket hop up onto the fountain. Yep. Like, That's it. I'm moving. And one guy has um, like a half burnt nose, almost like he's been frostbitten. They're just a very ragtag, yeah, rough was, and tumble group of people. He was in a, a fire. Like the entire oh. city was on fire and he's just apparently never recovered. His little nose got barbecued. And so Phil is sort of putting Hercules through the ringer by sort of shoving him at these people and saying, okay, these are your people. You got to convince them that you're the true hero. So they're all just sort of disparaging him. But that um, Hades and Meg kind of intervene to create, almost create a spectacle that makes Oh, they Hercules absolutely created it. Yeah. Well, because Hades is trying to take Hercules down, okay. so he, uh, what's that creature? The, the Hydra. The Hydra, yes, where you cut off one of its heads and... Two more grow in its place. Yes, so that's the first big fight you really see. The River Centaur was, you know, damsel in distress, that was exciting, but the really big first fight that Hercules has is with the Hydra, and that's where he kind of earns his medal, as it were. <laughs> the guy with the polka dot underwear. Uh, because Phil bites off this guy's underwear in the marketplace because he's just a... There's so many hair-slapping moments in this <laughs> movie. I've Like, Mega slapped Phil and Hercules with her hair. This ginger lady just slapped her hair upon Phil. I See, I always wanted to do that as a okay. Disney kid. I was just like, oh, I want to grow out a long, luxurious ponytail that I can slap, slap people with it. <laughs> yeah. And then I grew up and realized that slapping people with your hair is frowned upon, but that didn't stop me, listeners, of so course. don't be... Don't so you worry. Nice see Meg running through the city. She's like, oh, Hercules, how weird. I'm finding you here. You have to come help me in this weird quarry where there's a stadium seating that everyone can come and watch. Well, and that's where, you know, I go back to the point that Hercules is a very, like, just true and kind of naive hero. Because at first when she meets him, she's like, buzz off, Wonder Boy. I don't need your help. Go away. But then she suddenly finds him in a city that she had no idea he was going to. And she's like, yeah. oh my god, help me! They make me. him so like, pure of heart in this, and he's absolutely not. Well, you gotta be able to cheer for him. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> we get that great shot of 
Hercules dives into danger and Pegasus takes him to the arena where he's going to battle Hydra. And meanwhile, Danny DeVito, <laughs> Phil is just like running on his little goat <laughs> legs and just, like, <sighs> <sighs> I think he says something right about there. fur is chafing. Or oh no, he says, I've got a fur wedgie. That fur wedgie, that's what it is. <laughs> Which that I got as a kid. Because if you were 10 years old and didn't get the fur wedgie thing, you were kind of an idiot. And I didn't Great get joke this here. joke here until I was much older and understood Roman numerals. That yeah, because these... these two little boys are trapped underneath a massive boulder and Hercules goes to lift it off of them, and they're like, quick, we can't breathe. Somebody call IXII. <laughs> also known as 911, for those of you who are not terribly familiar with Roman numerals. They were just so clever in this movie. Yeah, they were. And you come to find, oh, and just the cutest little boys that he saves, too. Jo- uh, gee, mister, you're Jeepers. sure. Jeepers, you're sure strong. Like, and, Jeepers, mister. Yeah, they got a little lisp, and they're thanking him for saving him. And then, of course, we find out that the two little boys are panic and pain. And Disney's not even afraid to show alcoholic beverages in this movie. You know, Hades freaking conjures up a little martini with a worm in it, which, you know, for those who like tequila and drink the worm. Yeah, but you don't make martinis with tequila. That's He apparently does. Uh, He's Hades. He does what he wants. Do what you want, dude. That's fine. But yeah, um, I I guess they figure the kids aren't really going to pay that much attention to it when they're all... Oh, I didn't get it. I just thought it was a free drink. A little high C. Yeah, that would make sense. But, um, but yeah, the great thing about the Hydra battle is that Phil, of course, is this master trainer, this Mr. Miyagi, who is supposed to turn Hercules into Hercules. But the second Hercules faces something as massive as the Hydra, Phil is like, I don't think we covered this one in basic training. So you just, <laughs> it's just such a juxtaposition of what you really expected out of it. But I guess that's just for comedic effect. But of course, with his mega strength, Hercules prevails and becomes the hero that the city needs. And we get our second montage where Hercules literally starts kicking the crap out of every monster in the book. And I think that touches, Meg, on what you were saying, where they tried to put in little flakes of what Hercules really went through and the beasts that he battled. You see uh, a few of the things that he, you know, the, I can't remember, uh, it was like the trials that he had to go through. Right. You see some of those, and it, I think it was pretty funny. They uh, are painting him in one scene, and he's actually wearing this lion pelt, and if you if you look closely, it's actually Scar from The Lion King. And now I am scarred for life, because <laughs> what the hell, Disney? It's just funny how they do little, uh, what do they call them, Easter eggs like that. Where, yeah. Or... And then, oh, and Disney decided to put in something really gross when, uh, they, yes, another the little, Oedipus joke. Yes. yes. So we, we see here Meg is, you know, has finally realized that she's in love with Hercules and they went on their first date and Hercules is coming off and he's like, well, I thought I had issues with my parents. That play we saw, that Oedipus thing, <laughs> which is so gross for um, those of you who don't know what Oedipus is. My skin just peeled off, just so you know. We're, yeah. on, we're on that kind of a level. but And on another sort of scandalous level, Hades is really kicking up his attack on Hercules because uh, Meg or I don't know who says it, but they're like, oh, we've been throwing all these curves at Hercules. But then Hades does the kind of vava voom shape around Meg's body. He's like, maybe I've been throwing the wrong kind of curves at Hercules. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, all kinds God. of sexual innuendos. And, I still um, can't pass the Oedipus thing. Like, un- how do you unknowingly marry and bang your own mom? Blindness. <laughs> It, it happens, apparently, in Greek mythology. 
but uh, so yeah, Hercules, the new campaign to bring him down is to find his weakness and Meg is starting to fall in love with him and she says he doesn't have a weakness, but then uh, Hades says, no, you're his weakness, but uh, he comes up with this great joke about or joke about the Trojans where he's like, the cho- the Trojans, they bet on the wrong horse. We gotta, ah, but uh, <laughs> we, we gotta find the right weakness for Hercules. So that's exactly what they did. Yeah, and so he's, you know, in order to Hades basically holds Meg hostage and it's like, you know what, Hercules, you can either save Meg or you can give me your strength for 24 hours. And Hercules makes the deal. and To get her out of her eternal damnation agreement. just everything just goes to shit and Hercules doesn't have his powers. and Until we have this nice little plot twist because part of the deal was Hades was saying, okay, you can get Meg out of her uh, damnation uh, by giving me your strength and I promise she won't get hurt the entire time I have your strength but then he can't foresee her selflessness and she ends up saving Hercules at the cost of her own life yes and so that means that Hades deal is broken and we see Hercules regenerate in sort of almost Beauty and the Beast fashion with just the colors where the light comes back to him and he's all bright and now oh, he's... once Yeah, once he saves her, yeah. Because well, he actually No, has I to... just meant like the little zap of light that comes oh, back to him he when gets he gets his, his powers. Yeah. But yeah, he does have another Beauty and the Beast moment later in this uh, movie. I did think it was cool. Uh, so he goes off to Hades to try and save Meg because uh, he has like a certain amount of time to bring her soul back to her body or whatever. Yes. And uh, it's actually kind of alluding to all the times that heroes have gone to Hades. I mean, even Hercules, one of his trials was going to Hades. But there's always these things where people go to Hades to try and save their lover. like From uh, the river sticks. Yeah. yeah. Or Orpheus went down there to save his oh, love. Oh, there's your martini and... with the worm in it. I just saw it. Yeah. I didn't pay attention to it last night. But yeah, so now uh, Hades has beset upon Mount Olympus with all of his big bad buddies who are... Who are not his buddies. The Titans are actually with uh, his dad, Cronus, who they all imprisoned because Cronus was a bad dad and ate all of his children. Nerd. But yeah, that's basically what's happening. You've got one big ice monster that's freezing everyone over. Uh and then one that's melting Olympus with lava, and is, they've got all the, the gods and goddesses in chains until Hercules... But Hercules is there to save the day! Yeah, because Zeus was actually uh, encased in lava there for a minute. Zeus was oh, lava. One point we totally missed. Uh, so in order to kind of distract Pegasus so Hades could talk to Hercules, Pain and Panic dressed up as a female Pegasus and like right. lure him off. <laughs> and you see Pegasus going into this room where the female Pegasus has taken off her saddle and like is laying she, down like, on a bed of straw, like ready to bang this other dude Pegasus. super scandalous. Which, you know, you get the allure of it as a kid. You're like, oh, a girl pony. To just she straight up is like taking off her clothes. She's and straight up trying to seduce bed. him. Big time. And uh, we do miss a cute little joke for, we missed one for a second. Um, the statue of Venus de Milo, uh, the reason why she's armless is because of Hercules' strength or something where he skips a rock or oh, and yeah, knocks her arms her. off of her. <laughs> so that's why, that's the discovery behind that big mystery. But yeah, so, you know, we save Mount Olympus and everything's great there. Zeus is back in power, but Meg is still fading back on earth and she actually dies before hercules can get back to her so now he's got to go down to hades to rescue her from the river sticks but since he 
had such a selfless act of himself of saving Meg at the cost of his own life. He was able to regain his godlike strength and hopefully get his seat back up on Olympus, which he later denies because he's like, you know what? I like that girl. I'm going to go. I'm going to stay with her. I have thoughts on that. But um, oh. so we're uh, we're at the point right before he's about to go into Hades where they lit the not the muses, the the eyeball triplets. Oh, the fates. Yes, the fates. They're literally cutting Meg's lifeline because they have that little. Yes, of, it's the, the strand of fate. Yeah. And they cut hers off. So now she's in Hades. But a, another little joke we sort of cascaded over when. Hades breaks into Olympus. He takes on a kind of Ricky Ricardo voice, and he's like, Oh, Zussi, I'm home! Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which I wasn't familiar with I Love Lucy when I was that little, but that's just a great joke that I miss. Oh, he's got a great Prince Adam moment right there, where the big blue eyes and the sort of blonde orangey hair. It's the chin, man, I'm telling you. I guess so. It's that heroic chin. But, yeah, I mean, I, with, with Zeus coming out of the encasement of lava, all I could think was, if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball, because it's rip-torn, except you're dodging lightning bolts. So <laughs> that, that's really the only difference. Oh, and there's Fluffy from Harry Potter, the three-headed dog that guards the the I sorcerer's stone. I somehow wrote an entire paper on Cerberus when I was in elementary school, and I just feel like a huge nerd now but i really like greek mythology guys yeah she does it's true but yeah so that the whole point of it is that hercules actually goes through the whole montage and the litany of killing all these great beasts because he thinks that's what's going to make him a true hero but what ends up happening is like meg said he commits such an act of selflessness of sacrificing his life to get meg out of the river sticks that that is what makes him a quote-unquote true hero because it's not, does. Yep, it's not just about defeating beasts. Zeus even tried to tell him that. He was just like, you know, you can save people, that's great, and that's very heroic, but it's not true heroism. And Hercules gets frustrated with that whole system and just doesn't understand what the differentiation is until his his act of love when he saves Meg from eternal damnation. You know what they call the, the string that the fates are snipping the mortal coil? Oh my god. <laughs> That's perfect. Which, you know, when they snap it with their scissors, kills the person. But because Hercules saves her, it actually... Oh, no, he's about to die because he's in the river sticks and he's... It's draining his life essence, basically, because it's a river full of the dead. Yes, but then you have this... There it is. He's glowing like Jesus as he lifts Meg out of the river sticks, And he's a full god again. So he's now immortal. And, and he just throws Hades into the, the drink is a drink no yeah. well he punches his face inside yeah out. and then that's he throws great. him into the rubber sticks oh that's right he does but he just sort of walks out with his woman and that's i mean that kind of ties it up it it gets to the point where like you said he goes back to olympus and he's wanted to be a god and be with his real family his whole life but this is where i take issue with this oh we see hades getting dragged down by all the souls so that's good all right so what's your issue Bye, with hades. him choosing human my issue is in instead of why couldn't they make meg immortal instead of making him mortal because her act of selflessness did only got her up to neutral because she was evil act of selflessness made her neutral so now she's got to do one more good deed so she still has to commit to an act of true heroism in order know. to I'm be with hercules on mount olympus all right well 
Final thoughts, because with me, there was this huge gap between watching this movie as a kid, because like I said, I kind of thought of it as a little boring. There was a little too much, a little too much humor that I didn't get, I guess, is what the difference was. But now as an adult, I just look at it as a completely different film. So how do you feel about this when, as opposed to when you were a kid? I mean... I've definitely gotten even more jokes as I was older. I got most of them when I was a kid just because I loved mythology so much. But just the soundtrack alone kept me interested. The animation, the colors, um, plus Megara, you know, has my name. Yeah. Well, Um, and no other soundtrack was really like this one either before or after. You didn't have a group of just like beautiful, sassy women singing these awesome stories about the main character it was always yeah. <laughs> it was always okay let's let a little bit of story happen and then one character breaks out into song it was a very kind of predictable pattern in disney movies whereas this one they really broke their usual tropes and patterns and sort of broke out a whole new kind of movie still my favorite disney movie though i'm gonna say it that's good to know but yeah we have Hercules getting reunited and then going back down to Earth, and I guess they have a million little babies that are ridiculously strong, so who knows. Or wouldn't he have lost his strength when he was... It, he still gets to be a kind of a demigod down there. Oh, so every, all's well that ends well, so... In Disneyland, yes. He may, he may <laughs> outlive Meg, he may not. I'm not really sure what the rules are. He kills her. Oh, well, spoiler alert. Sorry, Snake kills Dumbledore. <laughs> Well, I think that's a great note to end on. So, listeners, thank you for welcoming our special surprise first guest, Meg, yeah, a.k.a. Thanks. Megara. It's been a blast. Uh, once again, you can reach us on uh, hindsightishorrifying.com. If you ever want to get in touch with us to tell us just how much you hate this podcast, I can be reached at Darth Jader at hindsightishorrifying.com, or you can spare me and yell at Jason instead. And you can get me at Jason at hindsightishorrifying.com. And you can't get me at all. Not yet. <laughs> we haven't made her reachable. Oh, you mean if we make her reachable. If. if See how good. I did that? <laughs> and you can also reach me uh, at Twitter at Darth underscore Jader underscore. I actually got the underscores right this time. Jason. Yeah, but you stopped in the middle now. Nobody's going to know. So oh, go we- back to the beginning. Try it again. I quit. So long, listeners. Tune in next time for another great episode of Hindsight is Horrifying. Woo!